Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is a random local news story. This is reported from CBS News. Um, and the headline is, Man busted on a moped with $170 worth of steak in his pants. <laughs> that, that headline was such a journey. <laughs> This happened in Nashville, North Carolina. Okay, so the other Nashville. The other Nashville. A thief was busted with several steaks shoved down his pants legs while making his moped getaway in the pouring rain on Monday uh, in Nash County. Earlier, the man stole several ribeye steaks from the Nashville Walmart, according to deputies. Captain Carlos Ricks was on his way home Monday when he got a call from the Nashville Police Department to be on the lookout for a suspect who stuffed packages of meat down his pants and then walked out of the store without paying. Quote, probably 45 seconds after I got the call, I noticed a vehicle fitting the description, which happened to be a blue and white moped, Ricks said. (laughs) Pretty distinctive. Right. Um, Ricks said he tried to pull the moped over, but the driver kept going for three quarters of a mile. When he finally stopped, the man admitted to swiping the steak, Ricks said. He pulled out two packs from the front of his pants, said Ricks. Thinking that was it, Ricks went to arrest the suspect when another deputy spotted something strange. He noticed a large bulge in the bottom of his pants. Oh, no. We uncuffed him and allowed him to get them out. Ricks said the man took out ten steaks. <laughs> Worth $170 from his what? from his pant legs and crotch area. <laughs> oh, my God. He had 10 packages of steak in his pants. <laughs> I just start laughing every time you say in his pants, because that's just like, that never stops being funny. <laughs> uh, okay. That, that was the story. <laughs> I, I have I have so many questions for this person. Like the, the fact that the fact that the police were called, like with the specifics of what the crime was. Like clearly, somebody saw him do exactly this and just walk away. I, yeah, I guess. Why didn't they go? Hey, stop putting that steak. I, in I don't know. That's a good question. Like someone saw it was just frozen. Sees this guy doing this. The guy walks away. Frozen with disbelief. Then they like go talk to management at the store and say, hey, I just saw someone stuff a bunch of steaks down their pants and walk (laughs) out of the store. And then the management's like, we should call the police. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe. I don't know. But then also, why why Walmart steak? I feel like like if you're going to bother stealing steak, like at least get it from like, I don't know, like a... A grocery a store or place. like a more or, or like a really nice well, or a nice. Maybe they were just thinking it's easier to shoplift at Walmart. I have no I, idea. I, have no idea. I, I don't know. This episode not brought to you by Walmart. <laughs> not brought to you by Walmart. I have no idea. I just thought that it was funny to that he he fit 10 ribeyes in his pants. That's impressive. <laughs> like, I wonder what kind of pants he was wearing. I don't even know. 
Were they they like, must have been really baggy, I like, guess, because if you're wearing like skinny jeans, it's not going to work. But what if he was wearing skinny jeans? That would be all the more impressive, <laughs> I think. What if he was? Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that was my uh, random local news story. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Uh, the first story that I brought today is uh, species news. From National Geographic, um, corals team up to eat jellyfish. Oh my goodness! What did, you, did right? Did you know that corals could do this? No. So uh, um, this is biologist Tomas Vega Fernandez and his uh, colleague Luigi Musco were surveying uh, orange stony cup corals off an Italian island when he noticed uh, these. They're approximately the size of a fingertip, like size wise. Um, mm-hmm. They were eating bits of a jellyfish called a mauve stinger. It's a type of jellyfish, I guess. It's a cool name. That is cool. Um, they reported the sighting to Fabio Badalamenti, the research director for the Italian National Research Council for Council Institute for Coastal Marine Environment. <laughs> Long name. In Sicily. <laughs> <laughs> In Sicily. <laughs> I don't know if the in Sicily is part of that incredibly long name, but anyway. Um, but he was overseeing this coral project that t- at the time. He started looking for this type of jellyfish near those corals, and it wasn't long before he also witnessed this happening. Uh, one jelly that he followed was caught in a matter of minutes by what he described as a wall of mouths. So it like got caught by all these little corals, like these Whoa. tiny little corals, all, all grabbed it, and it tried to escape, but it couldn't get away. <laughs> Whoa. So in total, these researchers saw 20 of these jellyfish eaten by corals over the course of several years. So it was over time, but still, mm-hmm. like the fact that they observed that many. Um, and they published their observations Monday in the journal Ecology. Hmm. Um, so the like I said, they're about the size of a fingertip, so only about like a centimeter wide, which is much smaller than the jellyfish themselves, which can be approximately the size of like an entire colony of these guys. Um so that they actually have to work together to capture and eat it. So somehow, like, they don't, the scientists don't know if the corals are communicating with each other to coordinate it or, like, it's just instinctive that, like, somebody, gra- like, they described it um, like a couple of the polyps, the coral polyps, will grab onto the jellyfish's bell with their tiny tentacles when it swims a little bit too close. Then others will grab its feeding arms eating the tips of the arms so it can't get away. (laughs) (laughs) And then more of them grab pieces of the jellyfish and they just like slowly start tearing it apart. Question. Yeah. Is the coral stationary this whole time? Yeah. Like it's just like, like coral. You know, like like it's coral. It's just there. It it has the little Mm -hmm. whatever feelers on it. Yeah. Little bits like kind of coming off, but they're like, it's all stationary this entire time. The jellyfish just gets trapped. Oh, wow. Like flypaper. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and, um, we'll <laughs> also make, a little, ooh. We'll link the story <laughs> as always. And there's actually a video so you can like, you can actually see oh. some of the process of it. Wow. It's pretty cool. Like it's just a bunch okay, of these little guys that. with like little tiny tentacles and they just like work together, grab a jellyfish that's like happens to swim too close and then eat it. I love learning new things about the ocean. Right? So this is, the, well, uh. like, this is like, kind of unheard of there are there's examples of other types of corals that eat jellyfish but they're 
these types of corals have larger mouths, the ones that they've observed before. Oh, okay. They've never seen like a whole colony of these things working together to take down a larger animal. Like they always assume like the smaller corals just, just eat on things their own. that are like floating through the, through the yeah, water. Yeah, because I guess that would make sense. Yeah, but, but now uh, this... Yeah, that's a good point. The fact that they're working together means like that they must be communicating somehow. somehow. And that's the thing is like they don't know how or... Or yeah, or it's just some like evolved just... like practice they've learned oh if i grab onto this jellyfish it will be good for me and others do all do it yeah. too i don't know it's kind of weird hard. yeah <laughs> it's hard to say but uh that's cool yeah i really recommend watching the video too because it is it's really fascinating and it's not as gross as it sounds because it's just a jellyfish so they're kind of just they're just it's like, it's like watching a plastic bag getting eaten <laughs> 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 so it's like it's not, not that graphic that gross not yeah. that gross not like gory really right. it's just a, yeah <laughs> wow yeah but, uh, cool that was my story all right my next story is health news and this is from the guardian and the headline is middle-aged non-drinkers may have a higher risk of dementia Okay, so this is going to... Wait, just wait for it. This is going to be interesting. So okay. people who abstain from alcohol in middle age may be at a heightened risk of dementia later in life, research had, has found. Um, a long-term study of more than 9,000 people, which tracked the health of civil servants working in London, found that people who drank over the recommended limits for men and women and also those who abstain from alcohol in midlife were at an increased risk of a disease. So it's like if you had no alcohol or if you had too much. <laughs> what? Oh, man. That puts so much pressure on your drinking habits, though. It's like you have to be in this way. Yeah, so it was a, the study was published in the British Medical Journal, and they followed participants who were aged between 35 and 55, and this study began in the mid-1980s. So they've been working oh, wow. on it since then and, like, following people. Um and they found that abstinence in midlife, so like complete abstinence from alcohol, was associated with a 45% higher risk of dementia compared with people who consumed between 1 and 14 units of alcohol per week. Huh. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, uh, the team of French and British researchers suggested that part of the excess risk might have been attributable to a greater risk of cardiometabolic disease reported in that group, apparently. So like... They saw that trend as well, and they don't know why that was happening. So okay. they, they don't know if there's a re like a relationship there, but they just noted that that was something else that they observed. Mm -hmm. um, and then they said that among the excessive drinkers, um, they defined that as those who consumed more than 14 units of alcohol per week. They found a heightened risk of dementia that increased the more a person drank, noting that with every seven unit per week increase, there was a 17% rise in dementia risk. Wow. So, like, really significant. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then the, the quote is, like, these results suggest that abstention and excessive alcohol consumption <laughs> are both associated with an increased risk of dementia, although the underlying mechanisms are likely to be different in the two groups. So, like, the reasoning why is probably yeah, totally no, completely that, different. But it's just, like, they found that, like, both <laughs> of those groups had a higher risk of dementia. That's so strange. Um, they really aren't kidding when they say everything in moderation. Yeah, apparently. Um and then uh, commenting on the study, Dr. Sarah Imarizio, the head of research at the Alzheimer's Research UK organization, mm -hmm. said, 
Quote, as this study only looked at people's drinking in midlife, we don't know about their drinking habits earlier in adulthood, and it's possible that this may contribute to the later life dementia risk. Um, because people who completely abstain from alcohol may have a history of heavy drinking. So, like, that's why they're abstaining uh, later. Yeah. Um, and that may be difficult to interpret these links because of that reasoning. Hmm. Um, so they said just that future research will be needed to examine the drinking habits across, like, someone's whole lifetime and to see if that still has that same link, basically. Right. But So that was also a potential reason why they had those findings. But, like, yeah. but I don't think that was, like, everyone in the study was abstaining because they had a drink earlier, you know, that... Sure. Can't be like yeah. There's some people who just don't drink. Right. That's wild. Isn't that weird? That's so. That's so strange. (laughs) It's like okay. What I took from that is just have a glass of wine with dinner every day, and then there we go. (laughs) Well, usually these studies are always like having this thing is bad for you. I know. Not having this thing is bad for you. It's not usually. It's both. Right. That's why (laughs) I thought it was so fascinating because exactly right. Like a lot of this science with like eating and drinking things is like this black and white like either yes it's good or no it's not or like right one or the other like this like dichotomy and like this is the first time i read one of these that was like well you probably should try for like this range right. because if you have too little or have too much then it, then both of them could lead to negative and it's just like wait what and i'm like i i feel like with the alcohol thing like so many like differing kind of conflicting things you hear mm-hmm. with that and i just thought that this was a really interesting find too because like if this is true if like you can have negative effects from not drinking any and also having negative effects from drinking too much. And I feel like that could explain why there's like so many kind of like conflicting, seemingly conflicting findings in like research about alcohol. That's a good point. So yeah, it's very fascinating. (laughs) So actually, yeah, you, cause you have to consider how many, how many of these studies, um, look at people, group people into non-drinkers and drinkers at all. And don't consider them in like different tiers. Yes. That's, that might actually be. Right. Okay. Exactly. That's what you were saying. Yep. But yeah. Yep. I just needed to say it out loud to understand for yeah, myself. Yeah. 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 But that's what I'm saying. Like if they didn't split it up that way, they might have right. not noticed this. Ah. Science. Science. <laughs> Next story I brought is also random local news. So two, Yay. two and one. <laughs> it's a special. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, mine is also related to crime. <laughs> oh, really? I think that's what these usually end up being. <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. <laughs> so this story, uh, burglar wakes up couple to ask to use their Wi-Fi network. <laughs> <laughs> no. This is, no, this is so, this is so good. <laughs> so this is a couple in Palo Alto. Uh, they were woken up in the middle of the night by a masked intruder in their bedroom who said he wanted to use their Wi-Fi network. <laughs> so one of the people in the couple leapt out of the bed, uh, shoved the intruder down the hallway and out the front door and immediately called the police, Who was? and the intruder was arrested by police minutes later. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't explain why he asked, but don't worry. This oh. gets even better. Um, oh, it so oh, this yeah. for so for this night he was arrested for burglary, which is a felony, as well as a misdemeanor charge of prowling, which I didn't realize was a crime. <laughs> I Wait, thought it was prowling. Just prowling. <laughs> I thought it was just an act. I don't know. Wait, where was this? Um, this was in Palo Alto, it's California. And prowling is a is that a thing all over this country? I, I've never heard of it as Sorry, a crime before. I didn't mean before. to interrupt you. Um, oh no, it's uh, I'm also flabbergasted. Um, but uh, he was, and then he was also arrested for providing false information to a police officer because he initially lied about who he was when he was caught. Oh! But this is this is the best part. 
just before midnight the previous night, the same man was found prowling around outside a different Palo Alto home. And when the when the residents of the house came out to confront him, he asked to use their Wi-Fi network because he was out of data. So he did the same thing. He did thing, it again? Except, well, the first well, time he, he wasn't in the house. This okay. time he was in the house. I guess maybe he thought, oh, this time I'll get closer to it. But they told him to leave, and he rode away on a bike that he had stolen from their backyard. <laughs> so, so, so police were able to recover the bike from him after the second attempt to uh, get somebody's Wi-Fi password, and uh, they, he may face additional charges for that theft as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who is this person? Well, I don't think I... I also don't think I mentioned... Oh. He's only He was only 17. That's why they didn't oh. include his name, because he was a minor. But it's still, like... Oh, that that changes my my assessment of this slightly. Because slightly. Because it's like a... If he's, like, a kid, you know. But, but yeah, like, I mean, 17. It's still funny. You're still, you're still pretty old at that point. Like, you should know better <laughs> than like he, any he of this. He woke people up and was like, can I use your Wi-Fi? <laughs> like, what the heck? I don't know. Kids these days, they need their Wi-Fis. Did he need his Wi-Fi at that hour? Like, I, go to a 24-hour coffee shop. <laughs> don't break into somebody's house. Don't break into someone's house. No, but he was wearing a mask, too. It right. Said so, mask he, so it so seemed like, like he, okay, he intended to steal from that's them, not just but then like, asked them for his their Wi-Fi? Like, I don't know what's up with that guy. It seems ridiculous. That's, that's very bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. I was just I was laughing <laughs> the entire time I read that story. I'm just I'm now imagining like the first people that they're like, what? Who is this person asking for a Wi-Fi? Can you please leave? Okay. Go, goes around like a co- corner, comes back. It's their bike. Rides off with it. Hey, that's our bike. Like, Guess you should have like given him your Wi-Fi or something. password. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that was random local news. Nice. All right. Well, my third story is a science news, and this is from the Sun UK. British scientists believe. 100-foot rogue waves could be the reason why so many boats have been sunk in the mysterious Bermuda Triangle. They've solved the mystery. They think they've solved the mystery, potentially. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the infamous body of water in the western part of the North Atlantic Ocean stretches 700,000 square kilometers between Florida, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. And it's also known as the Devil's Triangle. Um, and this area features multiple shipping lanes and has claimed over a thousand lives in the last hundred years. Oh my God. Wow. It's a lot. It's actually more than I realized. Yeah. I mean, I knew, I knew of of it, you know, but. Right. I, like, I only just Amelia Earhart and. Ships and a couple planes. (laughs) (laughs) Off the top of my head, it's just like, just her. (laughs) It's racked up a thousand people. That's crazy. Um, Racked up makes it sound like a game. That's, I don't know (laughs) know why I used that phrase. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know. The Mermuda Triangle is winning. (laughs) It's the mysterious computer player. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. (laughs) It has claimed over a thousand lives in the past hundred years there. Yeah. And many of them were kind of unsolved anomalies, right? So, Mm -hmm. So experts at the University of Southampton believe the mystery can be explained by a natural phenomenon known as rogue waves. 
So rogue waves, um, which only last a few minutes, were first observed by satellites in 1997 off the coast of South Africa. And they're these giant waves that have measured up to 100 feet high. Wow. That they they are created very quickly and, and go away very quickly. Like they last only a couple of minutes, but they're huge, huge, huge waves. Okay. Um, so Dr. Simon Boxall, an ocean and earth scientist, says the infamous area in the Atlantic can see three massive storms coming together from different directions because of the way that the weather patterns work. And it makes the perfect conditions for these waves. Um, and, uh, this is a quote. He, or there are storms to the North, uh, North and South that come together. And then if there's an additional wave from Florida, like a storm from Florida, it can like those three directions together, like Mm -hmm. basically can make these waves. Um, so in a recent documentary called the Bermuda triangle enigma, Scientists used indoor simulations to recreate the wave surges, and they built a model of the USS Cyclops, which is a huge vessel that went missing in the Triangle in 1918 that mm-hmm. claimed 300 lives. Um, and because of the size and the flat base of the ship, uh, basically it was overcome by water during the simulation. So they, they simulated that it would have capsized if so one of these waves hit it. It would have been totally possible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Weird, um, wild. So, yeah, so that's like uh, this documentary came out this past week, apparently. And so now people are just talking about like, oh, maybe this just explains all so of then, it. Like Amelia Earhart, did she get knocked out of the air? I guess they didn't talk about planes in this article, but that's what I'm assuming is right. that maybe if you were in a low flying plane, you could have gotten knocked low, out though, for a plane. It is pretty low, but I guess if you're in the ocean, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, do people fly that low over the ocean? I have no idea. I have, I have no idea. It's like, clue. how high was she flying? You know, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and she's maybe, like, I'm going to do this cool trick, and then... Yeah, so I, I don't know about the planes, but for the ships, definitely, definitely, this could, yeah. could just capsize a ship in, like, a couple of minutes, and then you just don't even know what happened, because every, every, just, like, it happened so fast. It just... Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that's fascinating, and... That's kind of cool that we finally figured it out. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially. If that is it, it's like, well, okay, there's finally an explanation for this that isn't aliens. Or sea monsters. <laughs> or sea monsters. Or Poseidon. Yes, that's also an option. <laughs> that is less likely than... Never rule out Poseidon. <laughs> <laughs> Poseidon is always there. <laughs> always watching. He's always watching. Always tridenting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... My my third story is uh, is another health news. Yay! A lot of doubles. Love a lot health of, news. <laughs> a lot of bogos today. Yep. Um, this is from NPR. Uh, Some bacteria are coming are becoming more tolerant of hand sanitizers. Study finds. No. So yeah, the other <laughs> thought I'd end on a happy note. Oh. Um, so the article begins. In the early 2000s, hospitals began installing more hand sanitizer dispensers in their rooms and hallways for staff, pa- visitors, and patients to use. Research showed that these uh, alcohol-based disinfectants helped battle staph infections in patients and certain kinds of drug-resistant bacteria, and the rates of those infections went down. So, yay, good news. Good. But <laughs> oh, no. other infections didn't drop when people started using the sanitizer stations, and certain ones actually increased. Um, in particular, um, enterococcal infections which are caused by a bacteria that affects the digestive tract bladder and heart um those started increasing 
And those and that kind of infection makes up 10% of bacterial infections that are acquired in hospitals. Oh. And they're a leading cause of sepsis, which is a deadly blood infection. So real bad news bears this um, particular yeah. type of bacteria. So new research has shown that this kind of bacteria is becoming more tolerant of the alcohol in these sanitizers. So they're actually able to survive for longer after being exposed to the alcohol in the sanitizer. Um, and several, this is also not good. Several of the strains that they tested were also resistant to multiple drugs. Oh. So it's just like getting closer and closer to unkillable. So they tried, wow. they, they compared 139 different types of bacteria looking at the same strains for 19 years um, from 1997 until 2015. And as time passed, they evolved to tolerate the alcohol better. Specifically, bacteria that were collected after 2009 were 10 times more tolerant than bacteria from before 2004, which kind of corresponds to this time when they started using more hand sanitizer. And um, kind of interestingly, um, the best way to get rid of a lot of these resistant bacteria is to simply wash them off with soap and water. They're resistant to the alcohol oh. because they have like a hard shell, mm-hmm. but you're able to wash them off with, your, with with like just standard hand washing relatively easily. So they, oh, okay. I think they suspect that the increase in infections is because people were relying on the hand sanitizer and not, and not washing, their, washing hands. their hands. So uh, that, let it be a warning to everyone: wash your hands and uh, don't don't rely yeah, too much on no, the sanitizer. Yeah, no, that actually is interesting because I bet that's true. Like people mm-hmm. just think, oh, well, I have a hand, hand sanitizer. I'll just do this and right. I can that's, go longer without actu- washing my hands. Yeah, because the, alcohol, the alcohol-based stuff still does help with stuff like, um, oh, what was the example that they gave? Um, <laughs> just look it up. I'll just cut it out. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, oh, it, it does help uh, to battle staph infection. Okay. Um, and it's like... and. There hasn't been any sign of that getting more resistant to the yeah. alcohol, but um, if it doesn't help with everything, you still need to wash your hands. Exactly. So yeah. it's a combination of both. You got to you got to do you both. have to do both of them, right? To make sure you get wow. everything. I know all these this drug resistant bacteria stuff. I know is it's so scary. scary. It's super scary. Like, what do we do? We we're <laughs> we're not well, doctors, so we can't like stop giving people too much uh, too many antibiotics, but. I don't know how right, else we but fight that kind of thing. It's just hard. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's super scary. And I mean, I know tons of people are working on like research to keep up with it, like keep up with the evo- like evolution of these right. infectious things. But like, it's still scary. I don't know. You can only hope that we're faster than the bacteria. Yeah, us, but you can that's, hope. That's hard because they mutate so quickly because they right. reproduce so fast. Right. So. I don't know. It's a pretty happy note, I think. <laughs> Well, you know, whenever that kind of stuff comes up, you just got to think about like how many treatments for things do we have today? Like that we didn't have. Right. And it's just like the, if you look at like overall, the amount of health issues that can kill you today is so much less than like what it used to be that like, this is very true. When you look at it from that perspective, you just have to still be appreciative of modern medicine. Oh yeah. This isn't a dig at modern medicine by any. No, it's not. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's. It still makes spooky. me feel better to think about it right. that way. Yeah. Guess what? It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where we look up random news stories that were just posted today, or just came out today, or happened today, and, <laughs> <laughs> and read them to you on the fly. <laughs> Ready, set, go. go. 
Okay. I found a story from CBC News Canada um, that's kind of concerning. Okay, ready? Okay. Um, McDonald's has served cleaning fluid to its customers more than once. Uh, uh, so I'm just going to start reading this. A pregnant Alberta woman isn't the only customer who has sipped a McDonald's coffee to find it was actually cleaning fluid, CBC News has learned. Um uh, another man says the same thing happened to him in another part of Canada, and it seems there are other cases. Um, when CBC News inquired, McDonald's Canada acknowledged the company has had other isolated incidents of the same nature. Um, so what happened is earlier this week, Sarah Douglas picked up a latte at a McDonald's and took a sip of it, and there was chemicals in it. So she went back to the restaurant, and she learned that the chemicals in her coffee were cleanser from two cleaning lines that were still hooked up to the latte machine. Um Ooh. And Why then is an, that a thing? So, so, yeah, and then um, after hearing about this story, another, this guy named Corey Irwin told CBC News is that the same thing happened to him late last year. He bought a latte from a McDonald's in December, and he took a sip of it while driving to work and spit it out because there was, like, cleanser in the coffee. Um, and he went back to the McDonald's and um, complained and they told him that the problem would be fixed. So then he was like shocked when he heard this again, because apparently it's not fixed as like a global company. Um, yeah. So apparently they have, um, according to the McDonald's website, they have a policy for staff to take apart the McCafe machines every day and give it a full cleaning, um, normally in the middle of the night or during a low volume time. So they like hook up certain like cleaning lines to it and like flush, flush okay. it through basically. Yeah. But like, I guess if you don't, unhook it the right way or whatever you could accidentally make a coffee with like cleaning fluid in it uh, and it's happened multiple uh, times like there's multiple like the news people have found yeah. you know, mul- reports of multiple incidents of this happening so it's not just like oh it happened once at one location or something it's like a uh, documented weird. thing you would think they'd have some kind of like safety mechanism in place to make yeah, sure that it, like, like it can't dispense heck? a drink like, when there's you, cleaning fluid yeah like how does that happen and i don't know it, it's a little bit unclear of like if it's just someone something's connected to it that shouldn't or if it's just like left in the machine like it's the cleaning oh, stuff just totally in there it and it's out. not like flushed out totally yeah it might just be that but still Ugh. that's just like very concerning <laughs> like oh my god so yeah just like a psa like that well at least mcdonald it's in the press now so i'm hopefully mcdonald will do yeah. something about it but like I'm yeah sure. if you ever get like a coffee from a fast food and you it tastes weird like that might be what it is so alert people authorities or the restaurant or something i don't know but like don't right. swallow it and like <laughs> i don't know this is obviously the mcdonald's fault but also did the people not like you would think you would smell something like that no i don't think they i think they they didn't smell like they just started they took like a first sip of it and were uh-huh. like oh this isn't coffee like it was like that okay i don't think anyone list <clears throat> excuse me anyone listening to the story drank the whole thing like they didn't actually drink it it was just right. like Oh, yeah, like, I get that, like, once I taste it, but you think, like, even before you, like, put it in your mouth, I don't you know, cast, maybe not, I mean, if it's a co- hot coffee with, like, a lid on it or something, and yeah, that's true. the one guy sounded like he was just going through the drive-thru, like, on his way to work, he just got a coffee and, like, had it in his car, you know, you're not, like, right. taking in the aroma, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, but. I don't know, I don't drink coffee, this is not, oh, exa- I do. this is not exactly, <laughs> this is relevant to me, this is not exactly encouraging <laughs> me to, very relevant to me, and I, you know, I, I don't know what, if their machines are, like, a certain standard company or if it's like a special mcdonald's machine or something like that but if it's some type of standard machine this could happen anywhere that uses that machine you know special mcdonald's machine that has cleaning fluid sometimes i know yes yeah, like <laughs> that's a weird feature why do you want that one mcdonald's no mcdonald's if you're hearing this clean up your act pun yeah. intended I, yeah <laughs> that 
That felt intended. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. So that was that was uh, my breaking news. <laughs> All right. Mine is also kind of food related, but mine is a okay. It's a much happier note, I think. Um, the world's largest cheese board has been assembled in Wisconsin. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. I love cheese. I love Me too. Che- I love cheese so much. So I just like, I saw this and knew. I saw this and knew that I had to talk about it. Um, <laughs> the dairy farmers of Wisconsin assembled a cheese board with a 4,437 pound spread. Oh my God. In order to break a Guinness World Record. Wow. Um, it, it's been officially recognized as the world's largest cheese board. Um, after they covered the custom-made board, which was 35 feet long and 7 feet wide, with 145 different kinds of cheese. (laughs) Wow. The event took over an entire street in Madison, Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) And the board was 1,000 pounds larger than the previous record holder, which was previously, uh, it was assembled in Europe. So, Hmm. uh, ha, Europe. (laughs) Got that one. Um, Beat that. And some of the cheese was served to spectators. Uh, some wheels were auctioned off for charity, and the rest was donated to the Second Harvest Food Bank of Southern Wisconsin. So it also had, went to a good cause. Great. And it was a ton of cheese. <laughs> There's a picture of it, too. And it is, I want to see the picture. It is something of glory. It is beautiful. Wow. There's like two wheels in the center that are just enormous. <laughs> like Yeah, those are enormous wheels of cheese that's so it closed down a whole street and were the crowds and they got to get in line and sample the cheese after it was yeah, exact, measured because that what, sounds that's amazing sounds like. and i'm sad i wasn't there i wish i'd known it was happening i don't <laughs> think i would have gone i mean we might have flown to wisconsin i mean who knows <laughs> you know the sad thing is it's like flying to wisconsin for a giant cheese board isn't totally out of the realm of possibilities <laughs> of things that i would do i'm just i me, me either. So, like, I'm just imagining telling people, yeah, I'm going out of town for a couple of days. There's this, this event happening. Um, it's the world's largest cheese board, and I'm going to be there. So. Yeah. No, see, I wouldn't even, like, yeah, I wouldn't hide it at all. I would tell people, I'm flying to Wisconsin to eat yeah. a bunch of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I guess it's Wisconsin, so technically you don't need a special event to go there to eat a bunch of cheese. I think that's kind of That's thing, true. So... We could go there anytime and eat a bunch of cheese. That's true. We should go to Wisconsin. We should do that. We should go to Wisconsin. Put that on the bucket list. Go to Wisconsin and eat cheese. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. Make sure you check those out. And while you're checking those out, also think about subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all those services. Uh, and while you're there, maybe leave us a review. Maybe a uh, rating. Five stars. That sounds nice. <laughs> it's a nice number of stars. It's a nice number. It's a nice, it's a nice, it's a nice odd number. Yeah, nice odd round number. <laughs> who, who wouldn't love five stars? We sure would. Uh, <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at, at News and on Facebook at facebook.com slash News. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Bye.